Marcel Louis-Jacques, you cover the Miami Dolphins for ESPN. Thank you for joining us. Life must be busier than ever in Miami these days. It is. Actually, I, I just got word that the Dolphins scored another touchdown. Oh, is that right? They, yeah, it's, uh, it's still going. It has not stopped, actually, since Sunday. Doctors are baffled. Scientists are, you know, in awe. But they did just score again. Whatever we can do to keep the undefeated team from never talking again. Okay, so before we get into the whole the Dolphins are maybe the best team in football thing, the whole putting up a 70-burger thing, the whole Bills, Finns, AFC East showdown thing, I got to ask you about something. Let's rewind for a second. After Raheem Mostert's second touchdown of the day, that conga celebration. Spinning, Mostert, blocked in there, touchdown. They'll dance their way to a 34-10 lead. Everything going right for Miami. They said they came up with that in practice on Friday, and it was Tyreek Hill's idea, and that they figured it out in five seconds. I'm not buying five seconds, not from the way they did it on the field. Maybe five minutes is more believable. What's the story there? I, I think five minutes is probably, five minutes is safe. The real story that, that we need to focus on here is, okay, let's, let's say you guys came up with it in five minutes on Friday. That means you were confident enough in this game to know we don't have to keep practicing here. I think any practice would be overkill. Let's work on what we're going to do after we score. That is how confident this team was in beating the Denver Broncos on Sunday. I don't think they knew they were going to hang 70. I don't think they thought they were going to win by 50. But my God, like the level of confidence to dedicate practice time to celebrating, that's different. Until they do it to T-Pain's 2009 Miami Dolphins fight song, it means nothing to me, Marcel. <laughs> nothing at all. Unfortunately, they do not play that one at Hard Rock Stadium. All I know is Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins number one. When you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl There's a little irony in there, too, because, like, I remember I first started covering this team in 2021, right? Uh, Brian Flores' is last year. And I remember that song played maybe in, like, the third home game give or take. And I was like, what is this? So the person next to me is like, what is this song? They play that after every time they score? It took me that long to recognize that <laughs> they play a touchdown song. And like, if that doesn't tell you the progress and the evolution of the Miami Dolphins offense in the past two years, then I don't, I don't literally don't have a more perfect analogy. In the NFL, division rivalries are something special. And when it's a rivalry that spans decades, with each team taking turns dominating the other for a decade or two at a time, that history builds. And baby, now we got bad blood. The Miami Dolphins and Buffalo Bills are one of those rivalries. And on Sunday, they'll square off in front of Bills Mafia in the biggest game of the week. Marcel Louis-Jacques has covered both franchises. So today, he takes us inside the Dolphins' historic offensive start and shares his thoughts on his former beat in Buffalo and how the Bills' defense plans to slow down the fish. I'm Clinton Yates, kiddos. It's Wednesday, September 27th. This is ESPN Daily. Passion, drive, and patience. 
What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Marcel, there's a lot to get to since this week the Dolphins traveled to Orchard Park for a meeting with their AFC East rival, the Buffalo Bills, a team you used to cover for ESPN. So you've been up to your fair share of Dolphins-Bills games, and this is a rivalry that it's heated up a little bit over the last few years now that both teams legitimately have franchise guys at the quarterback position in Tua and Josh. So what's the atmosphere like typically in Buffalo for a Bills-Dolphins game on, you know, this kind of week? Well, man, I can tell you from when I used to cover the Bills, it was squish the fish week. The memes came out and the Brian Cox picture of him, you know, double birding on the way out of the tunnel uh, started to circulate. But like when I left in 2020, we're not going to act like this was their Super Bowl. Like we're not going to act like this was you know, a game that everybody in town shut down for, you know, school canceled, all of that. Like, it was a game because it was an AFC East game. It was a rivalry game. But it didn't compare to what they felt when they played, say, the Patriots. Patriots week, everybody was ready. Everybody in that city was ready. Now, obviously, I have not been in Buffalo full-time for the past two years. But I would venture to say that even from down here, I have noticed the transition of, of, of hatred from... New England, way far down south, way far down south to to Miami. Like, this is their new Patriots game. This is the new, you know, premier rivalry in the AFC East. All three matchups last year were decided by one score. All three, including that wild card playoff game in which Skylar Thompson, the seventh round rookie, started a game at Highmark Stadium in one of the loudest environments in the NFL. Like, uh, the kid was baptized by fire. But, like, this is like I said, the preeminent rivalry in the AFC East. And, you know, Bills fans have been mighty confident over the past couple of years. We, we might see a little shift. We might see a little bit of a shift, Clinton, starting this year. In terms of the actual football conversation, let's start with the Dolphins. We talked about their 70-piece over the Broncos on Monday's show, but I have to ask you, being there, seeing this with your eyeballs, what does the speed of the Dolphins' offense actually look like in real life? It's incredible because, man, like there's this, there's a term I hear a lot, you know, ever since I started following uh, European soccer called a pace merchant, pace merchant, somebody who is just fast. They don't really do anything else. They are not technically sound. They don't score. They don't defend. They're just fast. That's not the Dolphins. There's no pace merchants on this team. They have legitimate football players who also run four two 40-yard dashes. When you see these guys go, 
Like, it, it's not like they're just running in a straight line. You know, they're stopping on a dime. They're changing directions. They're accelerating quickly. Like, it, they're they're running routes, like, with crisp precision. To a back to throw. Deep downfield. Wide open. Touchdown. Tyreek Hill. What a throw and catch. Right on the money. One-on-one. Tyreek just runs by him. And what a throw by Tua. Wow. It's impressive to see in person. There's actually a point where, like, I couldn't tell the difference. I have bad eyesight. I, wear, I, I use binoculars in the press box. There was a point where I couldn't tell if it was Devon A-Chain or Raheem Mostert running the ball. When they're on the far side of the field and they're bursting past the line of scrimmage, it's hard to tell the difference between them, and that should be terrifying. It's the A-Chain. Oh, no, the left side. 40, 50. He's gone. 30, nobody's gonna catch the eight chain. That should be scary. You have two sub 4-4 running backs that run the ball essentially exactly the same with comparable level of physicality and speed and change of direction. That's that's scary. And all this was happening when possibly the fastest guy on the team, Jalen Waddle, was in sweatpants on the sideline. We're witnessing history right now. We just saw a team do something that hasn't been done since 1966. And another thing that has never been done at all in 350 passing, 350 rushing yards in one game. Like at at some point, you kind of just sit back and marvel like, wow, I, I can't believe I'm witnessing this. Miami's got the fastest offense in the NFL, but through three weeks, what have you seen specifically in terms of their offensive line's ability to protect their quarterback and to his ability to get rid of the ball that's coming together and making this offense click so well? So to is getting rid of the ball faster than any quarterback in the NFL. Like that is, that cannot be forgotten um, in terms of you know, talking about his protection and, you know, how many hits he's taken, how many sacks he's taken. Uh, this offensive line, while their pass block win rate over the past couple of years was not great, it wasn't the worst in the league last year, but it certainly wasn't the best. It was sort of, you know, lower middle class, if we will. Uh, their their sack rate was actually pretty good. I think they, they allowed the ninth fewest sacks in the league last year. When Tua was hurt, it wasn't because of poor offensive line play. And that's kind of like, that's the signal that you could tell if people watched the Dolphins play or not last year, when they say this line is going to get him killed, this guy line is going to get him hurt. They didn't get him hurt last year. Those concussions, the plays where he was injured, they happened as he was trying to extend a play outside of the pocket or hang on to the ball for just a touch too long. This year, it's a combination of better offensive line play and offensive line cohesiveness. He's getting the ball out faster and you know throwing it away need be. Haven't been many situations where he's had to, but throwing it away when need be. And, and overall, just understanding the offense to a point where he processes like a computer. He processes his routes, his reads like a computer. So, you know, we in sports, I feel like we're so willing to like put all the credit or all the blame on one entity. But like I look at the Dolphins like a cake, like there's a lot of different ing- ingredients. There's you know, the eggs, the flour, the baking soda, the vanilla extract, and of course, the recipe and the chef, everything is working together to create this product. I don't think that it's just one thing that's particularly performing better than another. They're all performing at a high level. 
You know, it is worth mentioning that the Dolphins, they pulled off this monster day without Jalen Waddell, who you mentioned earlier. He missed the Broncos game while in concussion protocol. He remains in protocol as of this taping. Do you get a sense if they're optimistic if he's coming back to play at Orchard Park? I think they are happy with how he's progressed. Um, Last week did not start off well. And if there's anything that's going to be extra precautious when it comes to injuries, specifically of the head variety, it's going to be the Dolphins. But it it didn't get off to a great start last week. He was at practice on Wednesday, but he did not officially participate, did not participate again uh, last Thursday. But he did manage to get that limited session in on Friday, which suggests that he's almost ready to start participating in football-specific activities. Um, And that's the last stage of the protocol. I think they're happy with how he's progressed. I I think it's a little early. I don't want to put words in their mouth and say that they expect him to play. If I had to choose one way or another, if I was going to be surprised one way or another, I would be more surprised if he didn't play than I would if he did. Tua Tagovailoa is having a stellar start to this season. On Sunday alone, I'm pulling from your game story here, Marcel. He completed his first 17 passes, finished 23 of 26 for 309 yards and four touchdowns by the time he was pulled one play into the fourth quarter. When he left the field, he had just three incompletions and the Dolphins had just two failed drives. Just tell me a little bit about what it's like to see Tua turn into this person in terms of a quarterback and his development over the offseason in the first three weeks of this year. It's it's been like, it's night and day, man. Yeah, it's night and day because like I, I I can happily admit like I was not sold on the guy after the 2021 season. Uh, I wasn't burying him either. I've got the receipts to back this up. I wasn't burying him, but I was nowhere near ready to crown him as a franchise quarterback. I w- I recognized, and I think it was fair to recognize he had very little talent around him. He had a poor offensive line in front of him, and he had you know, poor coaching on the sideline. And those powers combined, it's hard to make an evaluation. But uh, we saw what happens, what he can do when things are right. Back to throw Tua. Touchdown, Miami. Tyreek Hill in the slot. And Miami goes downfield with two minutes left to play in the half and gets back on the scoreboard. We saw what what he could do when he's got weapons around him, when he's got uh, a a staff that believes in him when he's got a staff that's creative and, you know, allows him to progress past his first read. I spoke with Bradley Chubb, the Dolphins linebacker, used to play for the Denver Broncos before he was traded to Miami last season. His Broncos played Tua's Dolphins in 2020 when Tua was a rookie, right? Tua was pulled in that game. Brian Flores benches him in the fourth quarter for Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I asked Bradley last week, man, like, how have you seen a difference in Tua? And he said, dude, in 2020, we knew that if Tua was in the game, we had a good chance to win. We meaning the Broncos. Now, absolutely not. We're seeing what happens. We're seeing the importance of of coaching and a nurturing environment and development in the NFL that like, you know, rookies, quarterbacks, not all of them are take them out the package, plug them in, they're ready to go. Sometimes coaches have to earn their paycheck, too. I talk about this all the time. I talked about it earlier this week. It's the worst coach position in the NFL quarterback. The Dolphins have finally figured it out. Tell me a little bit more about what you think has changed in terms of McDaniel's staff and how things have gone with Tua. They've got guys who that's their focus. Like, that's their specialty. Mike McDaniel is an offensive guru. Part of what makes them, them special here is his ability to delegate. I think getting a guy like Vic Fangio, who is a brilliant defensive mind on his own, but is also 
been a head coach in this league, he has essentially got autonomy on defense. Mike McDaniel doesn't really have to worry about that side of the ball. Vic Fangio is plenty capable of doing so. And I'm not, it's not to say that McDaniel doesn't even concern himself with the defense at all, but it's a lot, a big load off of his plate. It's simply better coaching. It's a better scheme. They're better players. Obviously, Tyreek Hill was not in town yep. in 2021. Uh, Raheem Mostert was not here in 2021. That offensive line was a disaster back then as well. It seems like as soon as they hired McDaniel, the Dolphins just put massive resources into improving the team overall. And we are seeing the cake rise, man. We're, we're seeing the icing being spread on top. Like, we're seeing... It's almost ready to be placed on a Super Bowl table, but not quite yet. I think it's still got a couple months before it's ready to serve. All right, Marcel, after the break, let's talk about the Bills. Warm up with the hottest games live with Vivid Seats. No matter the sport, Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, an annual birthday discount, and more. They're the only ticket company in the game that rewards fans for every purchase. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Delicious, meat nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, Hopping from meeting to meeting. Shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Marcel, you were the Bills beat reporter before you moved down to lovely Miami. You had a front row seat to the beginning of Josh Allen's career. So I want to start with him. First of all, remind us of what the Josh Allen experience was like. A guy coming from Wyoming, you know, relatively unknown, right into Bills Mafia. What did you see during your time covering him? Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about somebody who proves why coaching matters. Um, you know, the the tools were were there, you know, beyond prototypical size, 6'5", 240 pounds, mobile, an arm that could cut through the winds coming off of Lake Erie up there in Buffalo. He looked like he would be an NFL quarterback. The problem is he was not accurate. You know, I'm going to save the, the metaphors and the comparisons and just call it what it is. He was not an accurate thrower of the football. Part of that is due to, to coaching, two years at Wyoming, and he comes into the NFL and he gets a guy like Brian Dable who is one of the best coaches in the NFL. But when I came in there in 2019, it was his second year. He was the unquestioned starter. Uh, 
the Josh Allen experience, as I described to people after that season, um, in which, you know, the numbers weren't horrible. Uh, 3,000, I think 3,100 yards, 20 touchdowns, nine interceptions, leads the team to the playoffs. The Josh Allen experience, as I explained it, was that for three quarters, this guy would bang his head against the wall, a brick wall. And then in the fourth quarter, he would break through. Like he was doing things that like they the decisions wouldn't make sense. The bad Josh that you still kind of see from time to time now, he would do it for three quarters, but in the fourth quarter when it mattered, somehow like the kid's hitting every throw, the kid is extending plays, he's hitting tight windows. It's like, wow, where's this guy been? And I always I, I did say if he's able to channel fourth quarter Josh over a full game, there might be something special there. And that's exactly what we saw in in the 2020 season. I didn't know he would be that good, but he essentially, he's doing what we used to see him do in the fourth quarter over the course of an entire game. And that is ultimately, that's the Josh Allen experience. And now you're seeing a a perennial MVP candidate, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, speaking of that, looking at his season so far, week one against the Jets, hero ball, bad decision, Josh, the Allen that we don't love, that performance is looking like a bit of an outlier the last two games versus the Raiders and the Commanders he's been a more conservative player on Sunday he was 20 for 32 218 passing yards a modest one passing and one rushing touchdown what kind of a challenge does he face specifically with the Dolphins pass rush however the difference is these guys are going to get in his face and they're going to get in his head you know one thing that Bills fans don't like it when it's brought up and I guarantee they're going to be upset when, when they hear this and they're going to yell about Christian Wilkins, but the fact of the matter is they continue to draw. They're the one team that can almost like clockwork draw a personal foul and unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on Josh Allen, whether it's the trash talk, whether it's cheap shots after the play, whether it's, you know, hitting him when it's technically illegal, but, you know, probably frowned upon. They feed into the rivalry. Like I call Christian Wilkins Josh Allen's joker. He's his joker. Batman usually beats the Joker, just like Josh Allen has usually beat the Dolphins. But every now and then, the Joker's going to make Batman do something out of character. He's going to push him a little beyond, a little out of his comfort zone. And that's kind of what they do here. Uh, We saw it last year as well, like the relentlessness of that pass rush. This is when they're in more of a blitz-heavy scheme. You know, the more you get in his face and the better your coverage is downfield, like the higher the chances are he's going to try to hit a window that might not be there. He's going to try to force something downfield. He's going to try to hold on to the ball for just a little bit too long. And I think like that's kind of the, that's how you got to play Josh Allen is like he by himself, he, he can beat you. He, he can beat you, but he can also beat himself. So you kind of want to just increase those, those opportunities for him to make a game-changing error, for him to let that gunslinger come out, as he so calls it, and... If you're a defense, you gotta you have to take advantage of it when those times come. Who's your favorite Joker, Heath Ledger or Jack Nicholson? <laughs> you know, I'm 31, so I'm gonna go ahead and say Heath Ledger. Uh, oh. I'm actually I'm in the middle of watching rewatching for the 50th time, uh, The Dark Knight again. So it's fresh in my mind, to be fair. But I, I, I mean the the craziness with which Heath played that role, like it's still so fresh in my mind even now, 11 years or however many years later. Okay. 
Well, I just wanted to get that out of the way since you brought it up. I figured I should ask. Anyway, moving right along. <laughs> Let's switch to the defensive side of the ball. The Bills are formidable on defense. They got veterans, Shredavious White, Micah Hyde, Matt Milano on that side of the ball. But on Sunday, it was Terrell Bernard's performance, the second-year linebacker. He replaced, of course, Tremaine Edmonds, who departed for the Chicago Bears in the offseason. That was really something. On third and long, Howell intercepted by Bernard. Second straight week with an interception for the Buffalo linebacker, and the Bills take over. What kind of test is Miami facing in this Buffalo defense? That's the fascinating matchup to watch, is what Buffalo's able to do in the middle of the field. That's where Miami does most of its damage. I mean, Tyreek Hill, nine catches for 157 yards and a touchdown. All of them were on in-breaking routes. But guys like Terrell Bernard and uh, his fellow linebacker, Matt Milano, who does excel in pass coverage, like this is going to be their territory, is, is taking away that first read and forcing Tua to either throw the ball outside the hashes or just simply keep progressing through his reads. Like it, it's, it's going to be the matchup to watch because no defense, uh, maybe the, the Patriots to an extent, but definitely not the Chargers and definitely not the Broncos, stop Miami from hitting their routes in the middle of the field. It's something that nobody's really figured out how to do this season. So that's priority number one for, for Buffalo. Uh, even without Leslie Frazier there, like Sean McDermott is a strong defensive-minded coach, one of the better defensive minds in the NFL right now. They're not going to get beat deep. So even if Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are active, the game plan is not going to be trying to take the ball off the, you know, top off the, off the defense. Not with Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde back there. That's simply not happening. The way to possibly beat the Bills is to try to rack things up after the catch. All right. Well, last thing I'll ask you, I'm not going to ask you for a prediction or a pick, <laughs> but what kind of football game do you think this is going to be? Josh Allen said he expects a dogfight as somebody that's covered both of these teams to a casual. What kind of ball game are we going to get on Sunday? He nailed it. He nailed it. That's not the first time I've heard it called being called a dogfight. Jalen Phillips described it as one uh, last year. It's going to be a rivalry game. There's going to be probably some chirping after the game. There's going to be momentum changes and lead changes. I, I don't expect a blowout on either side of the ball. And if the past year has told us anything, it's probably going to be a one-score game. The Bills are getting, you know, they're two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Uh, which means it's basically a push because the home team always gets three, right? So it's basically a push uh, e even in Buffalo's backyard. If one team blows the other out, I would truly be stunned. Josh Allen's too good of a quarterback. That defense is too good to, you know, really get any like a 30, 40 piece hung on them. And on the other side of the ball, like, Miami's offense has been too effective, too fast. There's four guys who can score anytime they touch the ball. They, it's not likely that that offense is slowed down or you know halted to a stop. So I'm expecting a one-score game. I love that you are not putting the pressure of uh, prediction on me because no matter what I do, I'm going to hear it from both fan bases. Uh, I said it earlier this week. I can't wait for just civil, rational, nuanced conversation between these fan bases. But uh, it is always enjoyable, right? Like, uh, I, I'd rather... I'd rather cover a game like this than a game where neither side really cares. Civil, rational, nuance. Holy NFL, Batman. Thank you, Marcel. Great callback. I'm Clinton Yates, kiddos. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>